1: Good morning, Cleveland. In the next 24 hours, approximately, we will know what the Browns are going to do with the 2020 NFL Draft. I'm here with Jack Duffin. Jack, how are you, buddy?
2: I'm good. I'm really, really excited. Um, It's the only thing we've really had to look forward to during lockdown. It's the nearest we're going to come to a live sporting event. So uh, let's go. It's usually awesome. The draft is five times better this year.
1: Jack, you've done an awesome article. We're going to talk about it a bit later on, but yeah, I'm really interested and excited for you to explain to me what the article is about.
2: Can't wait! It's uh, it's something it's, it's been playing in my mind a few years, but I finally felt brave enough to throw it out there.
1: Excellent! And Ian, right, 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 bombarding everyone's uh, iTunes with podcasts this week. Ian, how are you?
0: I am good. You know we've, we've obviously have all this extra time to our hands, uh, with the quarantine and it's been fantastic for collection of data, for analytics, for, you know, looking at prospects. I just feel like I have so much information, so many things. I just have to get out there just so that people can see it. And I will just tell you this as a historical Browns draft guy, the amount of content, the average Browns fan consumes, at, near, or after the draft for like 24 hours is insane. There's times I was up to like 3, 4 in the morning after a draft just looking at film and analyzing. It's madness. Now, we'd go 0-16 oh, the next year, but still, I would spend out till 4 a.m. looking up
1: data. Well, well um, Jack, my favorite day is day 3, day 4, when the undrafted free agents come in. But we can discuss that in a couple of days' time. But, guys, it's very easy to do – 10, 20, 15 mock drafts, 365 throughout the year. But, guys, this is now where we put your cock on the block and we say it, call it, 24 hours before, what do you think is going to happen with a draft? And I'll get the ball rolling.
2: Who it is. With the 10th pick, the Cleveland Browns select.
1: I think, nice and simple, the Browns are going to take Andrew Thomas at 10. That's my prediction. Ian, 20 seconds. What is your prediction that the Browns are going to do tomorrow?
0: If, if Andrew Thomas is on the board at 10, I would be for that. I don't think he will be. I think he will be gone. So I think the Browns will be trading back somewhere between 16 and 23. That gives me Atlanta, Dallas, and Philly. That's what I want. I think they're going to trade back and get Austin Jackson,
1: the U- tackle from USC. Okay. Jack Duffin is on the clock. Jack, 20 seconds. What's the Browns going to do tomorrow, do you think?
2: Picks, because I've made a rather sizable bet, um, which is looking really, really good now. So uh, they're offering me a large amount to cash out, but I'm going to race that all the way and uh, I'll be celebrating. Andrew Thomas goes top 11. You'll hear the cheers from England, wherever you are in the world. Um, But if we look to what the Browns are doing... I think they want to trade back but I don't think they I think they might not in the end and the reason for that is there's so many teams above them want to trade back if you get the cardinals trading back if you get potentially the jaguars trading back suddenly the offers that are going to be there for the browns to move up just aren't going to be there so I think they're going to be desperately trying there might not actually be the picks and the value there so I'm going to say they stay put Andrew Thomas is the first tackle off the board, so he's gone. I'm going to say they get worse.
1: Ooh, that's Jack's final call. We'll know in 24, 36 hours what the Browns do. it be quite exciting. Um, and Jack, while we're on you, what's your plan for draft night?
2: Um, so I'm going to have um, NFL Network on the main TV, but that's going to be muted. Um, there is some noise that PFF might be doing a live show. So uh, if PFF doing a live show, I'll have all the audio and everything on my Mac from them. Um, but I'll have the actual like Daniel Jeremiah in the background, um, probably on mute or right the way down on a uh, sound. But uh, no, that's the plan. I've got food for all three days. So I've got some ribs, some wings, um, dieting since Super Bowl kicked off. So it's the first time I'll really get to gorge since the Super Bowl. So i uh, really looking forward to that. Lost two and a half stone. So it's been worth it. Well
1: done, mate. Daniel, was he called? DJ's been on our show as well, hasn't he?
2: Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah's been on before. Um, love the guy. So, uh, no, he'll be really good. Um, he's fantastic. Um, however good, I've, I keep thinking it name's Jim White because of all the football we watch in the UK. But um, Mayock is, uh, was fantastic. But Daniel Jeremiah, I think, is slightly more analytically driven, um, which is really, really good to see.
1: Uh, Ian, what's your strategy plan for the uh, draft this year?
0: So normally people tend to enjoy watching the draft with me because I'm an absolute nut job and it'll be day three and the Pharaoh Browns of the world who didn't he sign his exclusive rights tender. So P Brown is back. Um, you know, it'll be the fifth round. And all of a sudden, you know, they'll go up there and be like the Miami Dolphins, like Jack Triscoll. And I'm like, Oh, the tackle from Auburn, blah, blah. And people are like, how do you know that? And why the hell do you know that? So I, like you, Paul, I enjoy the later things, but people generally tend to get out of my way. So I will be bunkered in. I probably will have some bourbon, some scotch, some beer, and maybe a pizza here and there because it's a lot better suited for our time than London time.
1: Yeah, I think my strategy is going to be trying to go live with a shot with each, with each pick until the Browns pick. So I reckon there's a good 10 shots in it for me if they trade back far yeah, Friday could be an absolute write-off.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: I've booked Friday off work and there's no way I'm going to be working. And one thing I've done, so as people know, I don't watch any college football. I don't really watch that much tape. So I'm going completely clean this year. I haven't watched a single thing. I started my mock today. I'll be doing a mock and I'll be publishing it online for it to be ripped. It's got trades in, it's got everything. I've actually started from a different angle. So I didn't start looking at other mock drafts. I started from the betting perspective and I'm working my way back. So I've gone through all the bookies. They've ranked my big board, my list, and I'm working all the way through. So I'm going to publish that and uh, we'll see how it goes. I've got a few mates. I'm uh, doing it. So we're grading on who gets the trades right, who gets the trades wrong, who misses the trade, whether the player was right, was the least the position right. We've got a whole different scoring system. So it's going to be really good fun. And then we'll see what happens.
1: Excellent. Well, um, Jack, you wrote an article today.
2: Um, there was a lot, a lot of numbers in it, mate,
1: which scared me off. But yeah, do you want to give us the headlines of what the article was about?
2: Yeah, so it's over on thedogland.com. So um, it's worth going and reading because we won't be able to go through it all now. But it was basically looking at the concept of our team's good at drafting first round in the first round. And what's the value of a trade back? And not just the value of what you get for the picks, what is also the knock-on impact, the salary cap saved, and what that means, et cetera. So we'll just run through the key things. So look in, um, obviously, everything since 2011. That's when the rookie wage scale came in. So more or less everything before that, just push it out of the way. It's not actually that important. So since 2011, um, out of the 191 players that have been drafted in the first round, 72 of them, have stayed for a second deal with the team they were drafted with. So that's 37.7%. So that's what I'm just dubbing success rate. Because quite frankly, if the player's not there for a second deal, something's gone wrong. Yeah, you get the rare cases where a player might have forced to trade Khalil Mack, you get two first for him. But in the grand scheme of it, that player's hit free agency, been cut or been dumped off for a smaller amount of picks. So that is really, really low. If you're going, oh, my team's really good at drafting or teams are really good at drafting – is poor. So we know from a basis, teams aren't good at drafting with first round picks. And if we look at just sort of number 10 out of the last drafts, 2011 through to 2018, two out of all of those picks have been successful. And that's Patrick Mahomes. Obviously hasn't officially signed a a fifth year option and then a a extension yet, but that will happen. Um, And then we look at some other, the other player is Todd Gurley, counted as success. You could argue, that's not a success because it's it's been cut but he did get a second deal signed so it is counted in the way I did it but then you look at another player and people look oh Gilmore he was a fantastic pick well he's actually a rubbish pick for the Buffalo Bills because they got five years out of him where he wasn't particularly great his PFF grade was 65.8 in that time so Yeah, he's amazing for the Patriots now, but that doesn't help the Buffalo Bills who drafted him. So that's a bad pick in the grand scheme of it because we're only cared about the drafting team, not what that player goes on to do when he's in a new situation. So if we're saying Gurley doesn't actually count, we're saying one in eight picks drafted at number 10 in the last eight years, ignoring Devin Bush is too early, didn't work out. That is an awful success rate and one where you've got to be asking, are we actually going to do any better? And so that's the first bit. And then positional value, obviously, we all know, if you want a callback, you've got to get them in the first round. But there's lots of data out there saying every other single position, you've got a great shot of getting them in round two, in round three, etc., depending on the position. So certainly something we should consider. Um, more picks, obviously, you're more likely to win. It's sort of a, a, an idea that is out there quite widely. Um, there's some data around that. But um, adding more picks is a great place to be. And then you've got, what can you get for a first round trade? So I've put in this scenario for what you could get using real trades from 2011. um, And then all of the information there and sort of real trades to move back and how you can build up that haul. So if we just use the number 10 pick, for example, the first trade I'd be looking is move back to 16, get 16 and 49. And then, and that was a trade that happened in 2011. In 2018, we saw 16 and 154 traded for 22 and 65. Then 22 in 2014 was traded for 26 and 83. And then all the way back out the first round, 26 was traded for 46 in a future second. So you could say, obviously we don't have the pick now, but 10 and 154, and you go and get five day two picks, three of them in the second round. The first third rounder is the first pick in that third rounder and then pick 83. And that is a massive win. You'll get five darts at the board. That's a big win there. And sort of the last couple of bits is obviously that cap saving. If those players are successful and you only need one or two of them to be successful, and when I say successful, that can just be becoming a rotational piece. All of that extra cap space you can then go and spend. You might go, actually... We're going to go sign Clowney to a long-term deal because we've got this extra cap space that having five picks rather than one gives us. Or you might go, actually, let's keep Odell and Jarvis Landry here for a lot longer because we can sign both of those guys up because we've got extra cap space. So the more rookies you have, the more rookie deals means you can extend more players because we're coming up to a time where we've got to extend everyone in Choku, Ward. Some people might want to extend Chubb. But those sort of decisions are allowed because you've got five picks this time rather than one. And then the other one is you can go and be really aggressive in free agency. You can go actually, rather than having a pick, um, a rookie opposite Miles Garrett next season, we're actually going to go out and we're going to sign Clowney to do that job. And Just the last bit to touch on, fifth-year value. It's about to drop off a cliff. This is the last year where picks 11 to 32 get a discount on their fifth-year option. They're going to be guaranteed... Uh, fully rather than guaranteed um, for injury so there's lots of changes to the fifth year value which removes that um, Paul seems to be having a party um, and then um, the rest um, is all there loads of detail I've gone through all of our trade tradebacks since 2011 and sort of detailed all the picks you would then get for that and then everything that would happen. So it's something, go have a look at the article. I've really broken it down as much as possible. Loads of stuff. Any questions, obviously you come, tweet at me, um, DM me. I'm always here to help out, but trading back, I didn't know how really valuable it is. And when you look at the numbers of less than 40% of first-round picks a successful team that drafts them, it's not a good place to be at all. So um, thanks for allowing me to have that and uh, get that off and put it there. there's loads of amazing pieces of work tagged into it as well pff have done some phenomenal draft content but uh, i'll open up to questions i'll go to ian first
0: this the summary is as long as the article so you're good to go um no it, it definitely gives you a different perspective because a lot of times i think what we forget is teams that are drafting in the top 10 are bad teams so when you put good players a la jalen ramsey on a bad team they're not able to create a winning situation. So, you know, I think that argument holds a lot of validity. If you don't have the quarterback, you know, there's a problem. So by trading back, if you do have the quarterback, you're then saying I'm going to go with more of a a depth-based roster with guys that don't have the same expectations, that are more manageable in cap. Because at this point now in the NFL, if I'm a top 10 pick, Leonard Fournette, you know, Jalen Ramsey I go to Jacksonville screw you I don't want here anymore trade me I mean Yannick Ngakwe is a third round pick and he's marching to the beat of his own drum so there's definitely a lot of weight in saying if you're a bad team and you need to rebuild drop back get more picks get more shots at it because you know in today's NFL these high-priced guys you're almost better to be like the Browns and say hey Malik Hooker I'll take a shot on you for a third-round pick. You didn't use your 12th uh, pick overall on him in 2017. So let's get him now for a late pick and move on with it, see how he does. Oh, and by the way, he's older. He's used to the NFL. You don't have the growing pains. I mean, Browns fans can attest to this. Our top talent has been poached for how long? You know, it puts a good team. Danny Shelton to the Patriots, Joe Hayden to the Steelers. I mean, all these guys that we took with first-round picks or second-round picks, or elsewhere in the league. TJ Ward dominated, you know, in Denver for a while with a Pro Bowl selection. So there's a lot of validity. To just wait till these teams are you know continue to be bad and buy their first round picks in a fire sale.
2: Yeah, and, and it's one that it's not just the really bad teams that can fly back through the draft and add all these assets. Because obviously, yeah, there's the example in there. If you trade out of the first pick, how much you would get back for that is absolutely insane. But if you look at someone who finished 26th, rather than draft 26, draft 46 and a future second. And if you did that every year as a team that's competing for a Super Bowl, the difference in talent isn't usually that much because, as we all hear at this time of year, 50 players are guaranteed locks to go in the first round. Well, they're not all going to go in the first round, so thus, uh, at least a load of them are still going to be there when you pick at 46. But if you have two players in the first round, you take that all day long you're in a fantastic position and then you can just keep adding that and it's not just do it one year if you did that over four years and you're in a Super Bowl window you took your 26th pick and you would made it the 46 in a future second you're getting eight picks instead of two uh, instead of four and that is a lot more talent a lot more shots at the dartboard because yeah if you're talking a top three player you would expect to get an absolute stud in there and yeah I can see you might not want the 10, 15 picks that you would get in the second and third round. But just doing that from 26 to 46 in the future second, that's got to be a no brainer for teams. I don't see why everyone isn't queuing up to do it. And obviously, with any advantage, as I said in the piece, this might only exist for two, three years because as teams get smarter, the trade back value becomes less, then you're just not going to be able to get a decent offer to trade back. And suddenly, you may as well stick there.
1: Jack, did you look at the success rate on second round? Um percentage
2: it's not something that's there at the moment and it would have taken hours and hours of content there's some stuff that um in the drafting stage so i couldn't just rip their stuff off if you buy the book there is some phenomenal content that breaks it all down um but i didn't have the time to go and manually do it myself but i'd really encourage you to get the book it's a quick read so if you buy it now you can probably cram it in before the draft if you're not working tomorrow um, but no, that's by uh, Brad from over the cap and Jason from over the cap is phenomenal. Well worth your, uh, it's only like seven, eight quid. So jump on it.
0: Yeah. There, there's, there's definitely the idea of what is the actual value of a draft pick. And I think Paul D Podesta started touching on that in 2017. And I think it is definitely a newer style that is coming to the NFL. Bill Belichick's realistically been doing this for years. I mean, how many times has he traded back? I think John Snyder. I saw something like 90-something percent of his first-round picks over the last X have been traded. I mean, these guys are doing this all the time. So I definitely think that that the mindset is being adopted into the NFL and it's helping out. And we do have a front office with Andrew Barry, with Kevin Stefanski, with Paul De Podesta that do believe in maximizing the value of an asset.
2: Yeah, if you're able to have a draft party and you want to sound really intelligent, when it comes up to that Seahawks pick, just tell people, it'd be like, I'm pretty sure the Chargers are going to trade up here and they're going to draft an offensive tackle. And then everyone's going to be like, how did you know that? Because as Ian said, they always trade back the Seahawks. They know what they're doing. Um, They know they're not smarter than anyone else. And that's the key thing. There's a 40 cent. 40% 40% less than 40% success rate in drafting in the first round teams aren't good at drafting and however many people you might listen to that go this guy when I know I know the line from Moneyball Um, then they just don't so it's something that the key thing in the draft is knowing that you don't know yeah and then once you can do that you can then exploit it but yeah charges to Seahawks draft an offensive tackle basically just lock that, write it in pen, who that tackle is, hey, we'll see what when we get there. I'm still
0: convinced that when Justin Herbert drops, they're going to come up from there. But no, you you look at the two different roster constructs in the NFL, rookie quarterback deal, high-priced veterans. Once Seattle went to Russell Wilson and he got paid, you have to get cheaper talent. You could not pay everybody on the team. So a way to do that, trade back trade back, trade back, and just keep loading the gun with second, third, and fourth round players. And then when they get good, they leave and you get another comp pick. So it, it's definitely a wave that is coming into the NFL. So I'm sure Paul got all of that. You have it all committed to memory, right, Paul?
1: Yes. Yeah, really good article that, Jack. And, uh, yeah, I will um, uh, have a read of it. And uh, But, yeah, I'm, I'm also interested now to go – I've seen the percentages before on another website where it says – um, there's yeah thirty percent first chance first thirty percent success rate of the first round and twenty percent of the second round so yeah that's the stuff I'm gonna look for now and uh, I know it goes all the way down to round seven where it's like I don't know one in twenty chance of being successful.
0: Well, if you want another trivia question, ask your average fans how many GMs have the Browns had since they drafted Johnny Manziel?
1: Five. Four.
0: So, Ray Farmer drafted him. Then you had Sashi Brown. Then you had Dorsey. Now you have Andrew Berry. So, four, that was in 2015. So, you've been thinking about all the players Johnny Manziel, Cam Irving, and here we are, or Justin Gilbert, sorry. Um, we're four GMs past that. So, like when people talk about, oh, trading down, look what it got you. It's impossible when you have four GMs in five years. I mean, that's just insane. So, hopefully, these guys stick around and then their plan can come out.
2: The one thing on second round picks that Paul did ask and I can uh, is in the article is they're less likely to bust than first round picks. Um, There's a few different reasons why that happens is because they might end up just as that solid piece that teams want to keep because they're drafting more guaranteed starters slash contributors rather than looking for that elite talent betting on this upside that's sometimes not even there with a first round pick. So there is usually less risk in the second rounders on average. Um, but no it depends all sorts of what metrics you're looking at I'm focused very much on I want that second deal to class as a success Um, but then if you start looking at do they play um, what 50% of snaps across at least three of their four seasons there with a team or their first four seasons in the league then you get different success numbers so it's very much depends what metrics and stuff you're using Um, I've decided with that team because quite frankly if you draft a player and they're great on someone else's team,
0: yeah, it's it's a crap draft pick. You'd actually think that Gilmore is a double whammy because now he's playing for a division rival who's shutting down the team that he dra- that drafted himself. So, yeah, Gilmore's kind of the double-edged sword. But I think the one thing we may see a little more of tomorrow is the trading of veteran players within the context of the draft. We've all of a sudden recently heard about, I mean, Trent Williams' his name's been out there for a while, but now Leonard Fournette and O.J. Howard, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. What's going on with him? And who knows what he ends up? I mean, I Go saw Evan, yeah, Tooney, Evan Ingram, Alvin Kamara, Malik Hooker. I mean, Alshon Jeffries' names. I just feel like there's going to be a ton of veterans traded tomorrow as well as draft picks.
2: Yeah, it's amazing how um, much movement there is these days of, People going, I don't see the value in him. Someone else does, let's move him. And uh, it's, it's great seeing this. It's why a team like I think the Raiders with their cap structure um, could really, really benefit because they don't include signing bonuses when they sign players. It's all done as guaranteed salary. And the advantage with gallery, guaranteed salary is when you trade it, all of that guaranteed salary moves. If you use a signing bonus, that stays as dead cap. So um, I, I would definitely like it. Even if you end up paying slightly more You save it in your um, savings of cap space. And it it would mean a player like um, Conklin, a player like Hooper, if they don't work out, you can just move them because you're not actually keeping any dead cap. Whereas these effectively 100% guaranteed contracts. So hopefully as a team, we uh, do a bit of looking at what the Raiders are doing. I would love to follow in their shoes. I think they're 100% in the right direction of where they're going.
0: All right, Paul, I have a question for you. What would you be most excited about tomorrow? What would make Paul Brown the happiest man in the world?
1: Um, trading back and then trading up. So having two late first-round picks.
0: Okay. So you want, you, want two, you want two new Cleveland Browns as of 5 a.m.
2: tomorrow London time. That'd be
1: amazing, yeah.
0: Okay. It's,
1: it's
2: definitely possible. Jack, you're... So, me, it's obviously Andrew Thomas going to the top 11. <laughs>
0: that's a round of Johnny Walker blue shots on Jack.
2: <laughs> that is a lot of drinking that's going to happen for that one. Um, but I, I, I'm going to go really bold. I'm going to say three trade backs in the first round. Ooh. Ooh. So, not just the Browns trading back once, not trading back twice third trade back within the first round. I'm just
0: telling you if that happens Brown's Twitter will be the most entertaining thing you've ever seen in your life I mean it is we did that we've done that a few times where we've traded back three times we got Alex Mack or Corey Coleman whoever it is so it has been done before and I will just tell you it is a just it is Dante's Inferno hot takes and I, the people will demand Andrew Barry be fired that'll be the first thing um, Baker Mayfield will instantly become a bust, and the Browns are cursed, and every fan knows nothing except that fan that's saying it. Those are all the things that are guaranteed to happen. So, um,
2: they say that every day, anyway. About that's me, true. well, <laughs> sometimes it's true, but no,
0: I think my dream scenario, honestly, I while I am about 90% sure they're gonna trade back, just the sheer thought that Isaiah Simmons could be a Cleveland Brown, um, as the linebacker of the defense, as a safety of the defense, I just that would be, to me, that would make me the most happy. And it would also make Jack's head explode, so there's a double win there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be best played. Uh, guys,
1: have you worked out what time you think the Browns are going to uh, actually be on the uh, t- t- clock? Do you reckon it's going to be um, quite quick tomorrow with the uh, virtual draft? I'd say two hours
0: in, an hour and a half, two hours. So if it's, it starts at 1 a.m. your time? Yep. 2.30, Yeah, I would say, between 2.30 and 3.00.
2: Okay. Yeah, I would guess off the top of my head, you're going to see about eight, eight minutes a pick. I, I think it's going to be really interesting. We'll probably see within the first few picks, our teams going really quick because once they know and they've decided, and some of them, they'll have more or less decided pre draft, they'll be mapped out of different situations and be like, right, if this is the situation, this is what we're doing. And they just go with it. And then they're getting it in quicker. Um, I was listening to Peter King on the PFF forecast earlier. The teams have got three different ways to put in picks so they can do it um, through their sort of conference call. They've got a um, secure online line they can put it through or they can pick up a phone and they've got a phone number. So there's loads of different ways they can put their picks in. But I think just with that question, they might go in a lot quicker. But then you've also got the issue of if there is any technical stuff, they can just put. And I, in. and I
0: heard Andrew Berry. I think he said that they have it's all manual entry. So, the teams will submit the picks, and I think there'll be something from the league saying, All right, uh, you submit it virtually. They call you and say, Are you, Andrew Barry, are you sure you want this guy? Yes. So, there's, I think they're adding a little bit of a, a backup control where the league confirms back once they receive the submission from the team. So, that could add
1: a little bit of time. All right, guys, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm looking forward to the, I don't know if going to do the podcast tomorrow night. It Sounds like Jack's going to be up all night. So uh, Jack, you're going to do a podcast during the
2: night? Um, so I won't be doing one while the draft's still going on because I'll, I'm going to be fully in on the draft. So I won't be pausing after the 10th pick or whenever the trade back is to do one. But I'm more than happy to do one afterwards, to, as long as I haven't sort of, completely fallen asleep and broken down so I don't know if you want to do some sort of instant reactions as soon as the pick goes in and then maybe after the draft or maybe first thing in the morning when the dust settles um, and sort of the US wakes up then we can sit there do a quick podcast and get that out and talk a little bit about the day that's gone but more the focus on what's ahead in the day um, because if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm more interested in what's happening in day two than what's already happened and I've already seen on day one. So um, I think that might be a nice sort of the quick reaction, but then also the detailed look, uh, maybe in the morning. Do
1: the Browns have any, um, like uh, the picks? So like the second or third, is there any like quick ones? Like we're really high up on the, any of the third or fourth rounds at all? Or are they all quite around the 10th tenth, tenth, uh, in order?
2: They're all where they should be. The end of day three is obviously going to be uh, the sorry, the end of day two is gonna be really, really late because we've got a comp pick from Houston. Um
0: yeah, we we alternate. We have the ninth pick of the second round, we have the tenth pick of the third round, the thirty-third pick okay. of the third round. Yeah. So we have three, three picks on cool. Friday.
1: And uh that the Friday night that's gonna be same time, yeah? Or um
2: no, it,
0: it's, it's an, an hour, hour earlier. E- it's an hour earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. And the picks are so the quicker. Yeah, the first round starts at 8 Eastern, 7 my time, um, and then it's 7 Eastern, 6 okay, my cool. time on Friday. And then I think Saturday is at noon, so yeah, 5, 5, 5 p.m. London time. Yeah.
2: No, it's usually perfect because the non- football runs three till five, and then I drive home quickly from the football. Get home as the first pick's going in. So uh, in past years, it has been beautiful.
1: Um, so on Friday night, we should be picking around one o'clock London time. Is that fair?
2: No. What? Oh well. Do you mean Browns picking? No, it'd be about the second. It'd be about it, it, yeah, it, so it, if
0: it starts it. Seven, that's midnight. I would say yeah, one
2: yeah. one fifty yeah, you're trying to predict something that's probably not even going to be there. So um yeah, I would say one night at a time, we're gonna see a trade back. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see four to five trade backs from the Browns, trades up or down across the whole um three days. So be prepared for moves. I wouldn't be someone that's just turning on going, oh, here's where we're expecting to pick oh, it's not the Browns, it's this other team. So uh, get there and watch the whole thing. It is set to be a blast. And we're in lockdown. So no one's got anything better to do unless you're working, in which case, you're awesome.
0: Yeah, if I remember right, that first bit of the second round last year was really active with teams moving in the 30s. So, you know, you could definitely see, because it doesn't cost too much to move around. Um, but yeah, I, I will be watching every minute it's on. I will watch every pick, all 256 or whatever the number is, I will watch. That.
2: Yeah, the most traded for pick in the NFL and what teams cover the most is that first pick of day two because everyone has an hour, uh, sort of a day to sleep on it and then panic, realize the guy they really want there. And whoever has that pick is just fielding calls all day with everyone trying to grab it. So um, be prepared for some busy phones and someone's going to take it. It's probably not going to be a pick by, I guess it'd be the Bengals there. But uh, it's probably not going to be them guys that actually make that pick.
0: The Austin Corbett pick.
1: Don't mention that word ever again on this draft.
2: Disgusting. It should have been Cortland Sutton or Harold Landry. Said it at the time. Or Nick Chubb. No. All
1: right, guys. Let's finish up there by saying, go Browns. I'm super excited for tomorrow night. I'm hoping to do a shot up to when the Browns uh, do it. So that should be quite good
2: fun. If Andrew Berry trades back several times, then uh, I worry for Paul's health.
0: For every trade, that's another shot.
2: Let's see. Let's, let's give it a go, see what happens. Or
1: probably, we could say you have to do a shot for every
0: slot that they drop. So if they go from 10 to 23, that's 13 shots.
2: I know. It just keeps doing a shot every time until that first pick comes in. So um, if we trade back all the way out the first round as I want, and our first pick is 41 on the second day, you are going to be a broken man. He'll <laughs> be naked
0: swimming in the river with the police. Mm.
1: All right, guys. Go Browns. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Go Browns. Go
2: Brownies. Woo!
1: What a hit. Denzel Ward. You got barbecue back there.
0: And you didn't invite me.